What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of B Shafe Daily. My name is Brendan Schaefer. Alongside you here on the Cardinals off day, Monday, June 7th, as the St. Louis Cardinals had a rough week. We know that much. And so in last night's episode, I said on Monday I'd come on and for Tuesday morning have a podcast out for everybody discussing the Cardinals' potential trade targets they could look at as far as starting pitching goes. There are a lot of areas that this team could stand to improve right now. Some of that could come as a result of just improving health, getting guys back from the injured list over the course of time. Some of that could happen, but when you look at the starting pitching in particular, we don't know how long Miles Michaelis could be out because his situation is recurring. He's had various maladies over the last couple of years. I've basically taken the position that I don't expect him to return anytime soon. The Cardinals have maintained that they believe he can still pitch again in 2021, I'm saying if that happens, you're probably looking at August, September, best case scenario, and I'm not holding my breath at that necessarily either. When it comes to Jack Flaherty, of course, we know he had a significant strain of the oblique, not something that the Cardinals expect to be healed relatively quickly, and so there's not really a timeline right now on his ability to return either. And Kwon Young Kim, the most recent Cardinals starter to go down, His timeline of the three probably, you know, hopefully will be the shortest, the quickest to a potential return, just because we know he had the back issues in March that caused him to miss the beginning of the season on the injured list, but then he did come back, and everything we've heard so far about the similar situation this time with his back is that it's not quite as severe as it was the last time, and we know it didn't take him too terribly long to get back on track the last time. The fact that it is recurring does give you some pause, gives you a bit of concern for him moving forward, makes you wonder if part of these recurring back issues, could that be why he's not necessarily struggled, but not had the same effectiveness that we saw from him in a starting role last season. Of course, last year was the shortened COVID season, and he had entered MLB for the first time without anybody having any sort of book on him coming out of Korea and doing a really good job in 2020 just facing teams from the central divisions but nevertheless had a really quality effort now he comes into 2021 having some of these injury concerns but also there's just more data more of a book on him against big league competition does that factor into some of his less really it's just a matter of him not going as deep into games I still don't know if he's had an outing all season where he was able to traverse six innings, and that's definitely something he would pride himself upon in the past, being a guy who can log innings for the rotation, having a lefty there of particular value as well, especially after the Cardinals trade Austin Gomber in the Arenado deal. Of course, nobody's going to be complaining about that trade, but you do lose a left-hander who's done a pretty nice job with the Rockies, by the way. I don't know if the Rockies are necessarily given the the dire straits of their organization at the time. I don't know if they're too bent up about that trade at this point in time, noticing that, hey, maybe we did get a nice young lefty in Austin Gomber that can not necessarily anchor the rotation for several years to come, but certainly be a piece for them as they look to rebuild with some younger talent in the wake of the Arenado exit. And I think Trevor Story is going to be close behind him to leave Denver, a report 
within the last couple of days suggesting that he will go to free agency after the season. Nobody should be surprised by that. If I'm Trevor Story, I'm not looking to sign a long-term contract in Colorado either. Love Denver as a city, but the direction of that franchise right now, if I'm a player of his caliber in my prime, I'm not looking to stick around regardless of the sum of money that they look to offer me. Arnado took a different path, of course. He ended up signing that contract when it was offered to in the mega deal with evidently an understanding that he would be able to select his own destination maybe sometime down the road. It quickly turned sour for him in Colorado, as we know by now. People wondering, well, why would you sign that deal? And then shortly after, you're sending Adam Wainwright texts trying to become a St. Louis Cardinal. Well, you know what? He got his payday, and then he ultimately ended up where he wanted to be. So all's well that ends well, I suppose, in that case. But we're going to talk a little bit more about pitching today than we are the offensive situation. And, I mean, it's not bad to waste 30 minutes of a podcast talking about Nolan Arenado. I don't think anybody would mind. But generally, we want to stick to pitching today because I did tease that we'd look at some options because the Cardinals, with three-fifths of their rotation on the I.L. right now, dire straits, as we've mentioned, they're going to have to make at least one move. The question for me, and I've, I've seen others wonder, is it a move where you just simply have to do something, anything right now to give this rotation some stability, find a veteran, whatever the cost might be, even if it's not somebody in the Max Scherzer class, because while Scherzer, I think, could be available down the road a little bit closer to July 31 if you exercise some patience with the market. Right now, I don't know that the Nationals, given that he's been a very valuable icon for that franchise for several years now, he didn't start there, but signed the big contract, and now he's in the final year of it, was part of the World Championship team for them, the team that beat the Cardinals, in 2019 in the NLCS. And so, understandably, in an NL East that isn't necessarily a juggernaut, there's, I don't know if there's any team that's going to run away. The Mets have been playing pretty good baseball. You expected the Braves to be better. The Phillies have had their own aspirations. And there are the Nationals. People thought maybe they could have a shot at playing some pretty good baseball, but they've started off pretty slow through a little more than the first third of the season. They might take some convincing, is my point before they're willing to deal Max Scherzer in the final year of his contract. But that time could come, and if you're the Cardinals and that's who you're waiting on, more power to you. I think that would be a great approach and and something that the Cardinals should absolutely have their eyes on. However, right now there's a definite need to be able to tread water, to, to keep yourself afloat, and we're in early June. The Nationals aren't looking to trade Max Scherzer necessarily in early June, That could be something that comes together before the deadline. Will it happen? I don't know. What's the likelihood? Maybe not necessarily high. Trading is a difficult thing. Like, even when we can sit here and say the Cardinals need starting pitching, got to make a trade. Well, if everybody knows the Cardinals need starting pitching and have to make a trade, that almost puts John Mosellock and company in a little bit more of a difficult predicament because the, the book's kind of out on their level of desperation. The best thing that could happen to the Cardinals is getting some guys back healthy, getting maybe a a little bit of reinforcement from the miners to be able to stave off this horrible stretch and be able to keep it at least 500 or be able to float back above that level. And then other teams, you know, will look to trade with you, sure, but you don't feel like then you're getting taken advantage of because they know how dire your situation is. So for the Cardinals, just to be able to tread water right now would be a really important thing. And 
You've got to find innings. You've got to find quality innings from starting pitching. Matthew Libertor, Zach Thompson, are these guys potentially going to be options down the road? I would be shocked if you see Matt Libertor pitch in Tokyo in the Olympics. I just don't think it's going to happen. I know he was part of that qualifying team, and Team USA did qualify with the, the help of Matt Libertor. Just don't think there's any way the Cardinals are going to allow him to go when they're in the situation that they're in with their pitching. I would be shocked if ultimately Matt Libertor needs his passport for anything other than uh, maybe a trip to Toronto if they can eventually get the Blue Jays playing back up there. You see him in the postseason or something. That's probably pretty unlikely too. But I just, you know, right now where the Cardinals are at, I don't think they can afford to do it because you never know when you might need to just say, screw it. we got to call Libertor up to the majors, and that wouldn't be an option if you're losing him to the Olympics for a month. But as it is right now, there are options out there. If you wanted to do something more immediate, I don't think we'd be talking about the Scherzer category, as I mentioned. But I'm just going to go through MLB trade rumors within the last few days has put out a list. Top 40 early trade candidates for June. Looking at some names, and some of these names already, like John Gray of the Rockies is the top name on the list. He's since come down with a little bit of an injury situation. So there are going to be examples like that that are no longer applicable. But there are some names on this list that I think if we roll through it and I can tell you a little bit about my thoughts on some of them, make for a decent enough podcast here on a Cardinals off day. And I I do also want to run through kind of the Cardinals top prospects list and talk about some names that I could at least envision. Again, this is just speculation on my part, but names that I could envision not only other teams potentially coveting in these lower-level trade discussions, but also guys that the Cardinals conceivably would be willing to part with. You're not going to see them part with a Nolan Gorman. You know, Dylan Carlson's part of their big league club, technically still listed as a top prospect in the organization of Honorera. Those aren't names, Zach Thompson. I just don't see, you know, many of those top 10 candidates moving in, in these types of trades that we're talking about. And this this kind of, the names I'm going to be throwing out here, conceivably some of them could be options for the Cardinals before the calendar turns to July. Again, if you had to put me on the spot, I would kind of be surprised if the Cardinals made a major league move for a, a current big league starter before July. That would surprise me because just historically, even though the need is there and it's clear and evident and obvious, Trades are hard. Making them happen is difficult, especially when other teams are well aware of what you need and can kind of get, find you in a desperate situation. John Mozalak does not like to deal from that position, and you've seen the Cardinals get burned in the past in situations where, not necessarily mid-season, but I would I could argue a couple different scenarios where the Cardinals have maybe felt a little bit of pressure, desperation to do something. And ultimately, those moves didn't necessarily pan out. You go back to a few years ago with David Price when they thought they had him in the bag in free agency. Last minute, he switches and signs with Boston. What do the Cardinals do after that? They signed Mike Leak to an $80 million deal. Mike Leak was not worth $80 million, but they were just they needed a starter at that point, and they just got a very serviceable arm, and they overpaid for him. Following offseason, Cardinals decide they need an outfielder. I believe Adam Eaton was their top target at that point in time. He goes for an exorbitant sum via trade. Washington Nationals, Chicago White Sox making a deal happen. And the Cardinals were like, yep, nope, you're not getting our two of our top pitching prospects. I mean, at that point, it might have been, I don't know, Alex Reyes, Jack Flaherty kind of conversation. When you talk about Lucas Giolito going to the White Sox, he's still doing quite well for them. 
And Reynaldo Lopez was another guy in that deal for Adam Eaton that the Cardinals just said, okay, that's too rich for our blood. We are going to have to go a different route. And they signed Dexter Fowler again, over $80 million that they gave him in that contract, arguably overpaid for a backup option in that situation. Then you remember after that, it was Giancarlo Stanton. The Cardinals thought they were going to be able to get, he rebuffed the team, didn't want to come to St. Louis. And so they make the trade for Marcelo Zuna, which, you know, didn't really work out. You end up giving up Sandy Alcantara, who's turned into a really good pitcher for the Marlins. You also gave up Zach Gallon in that deal, who's been, although he's on the injured list right now for the Diamondbacks, the Marlins flipped him to Arizona, and he's turned into a really good pitcher. Big strikeout rate for that guy. And so you could argue that trade, in retrospect, did not work out either. And so not that any of those deals at the time were viewed as just being absolutely terrible. I, I don't think the Mike Leak deal at the time was viewed as being a, a godsend for the organization. Fowler, I think people were kind of excited about because he was coming off of that World Series win with the Cubs and, and could potentially inject some life into the organization. I remember I was a fan of them bringing him in, but after a few years you saw the, the, the numbers on that contract and they started to really wear on the Cardinals, and that's why ultimately they moved him to the Angels this offseason in order to clear space for some younger players. But this is just my way of discussing the fact that there are examples of the Cardinals maybe feeling a little bit of heat after setting their sights on something and not being able to, to land it. Right now, they're forced to set their sights on pitching because of attrition, the injuries that have taken place to the pitching staff over the course of the first couple months of the season. I would argue that they came into the year with pretty good depth. They did deal Austin Gomber in the offseason for Arenado, but everybody understood that deal and said, look, you've still got other arms, you've got options. Well, you can look up and down the board. We've, we've talked about the three that have been injured. You've also got to consider Dakota Hudson, which they knew coming into the offseason that they weren't going to have him in 2021, but he was a significant part of their rotation, not only just 2020, but back in 2019 as well, did a really nice job for him. So consider that in the overall depth of the organization that has been hit and tested over the last 12 months on the pitching side. Daniel Ponce de Leon, I think they, they thought he could be a viable number five starter type, and he just has not panned out this season in that kind of role, and they're, they're trying to work him into a relief role right now and, and to be determined how that's going to pan out. John Gant, for the most part, has fared pretty well, but now you're starting to see some of his issues, like his league-high walk total, catch up to him, as happened over the weekend. Carlos Martinez has been a little up and down, erratic, injured, comes back, pitches well, doesn't the next time, and is currently sitting on his worst start of his career before he gets his next chance to go out there. Adam Wainwright's really been your your best guy, and even he's had his issues where he's gotten blown up a couple of times, particularly in road games. He's always pitched better at Bush, but has had a couple of hiccups on the road this season. And so you just, across the board, you've been tested, and as far as your, your depth behind, like Johan Oviedo has been, not maybe as as sharp and as prepared and ready as you had probably hoped, as a lot of people thought maybe in spring training or coming out of spring training when he was receiving glowing reports from the organization. So we can just list off all of these names and recognize that, all right, the Cardinals' pitching depth looks poor right now, understandably so, but I think it's a little bit disingenuous to pile on to the organization as though they should have seen this coming in, in spring. Like I talked about, in spring training, as I do every spring, that you're going to lose two starters. 
you don't necessarily expect to have lost three and be in June and, and have your ace be one of those guys that goes down. You've got to prepare for those kinds of situations, and I harped on the team to do so. Maybe they could have added a little bit of depth. Another argument you could make, while Alex Reyes has been a wonderful closer, he was a candidate. You know, you could have him as a starter right now, too, and you might feel a lot differently about the situation, but the Cardinals elected not to do that, and that decision still should be not necessarily criticized, but you at least have to shine a light on it and talk about it. Because to say you're going to criticize it, you don't know if he would have been able to hold up physically in that role. Maybe that's part of what worried the Cardinals. Ultimately, the, the, the lip service, what they said, was they wanted him to be ready to start in 2022. Nothing they've done for the first couple of months of this season has indicated they're prepping him for that role. I mean, he's throwing frequently, but it's mostly these one-inning outings because he is the closer. You know, if they, they weren't using the word at the beginning, but it's certainly what he's been among the leaders in save totals, and that's the situation in which he comes into games. Ninth inning, you've got a lead, he or, or you're tied trying to hold on on the road. That's exactly what Alex Reyes is there to do. He could have been part of that starting mixture, though, and come out of spring, maybe it didn't look like they needed him. Right now, it, you, you could it's at least worth wondering, right? It's hard to criticize when you've got him in that closer role doing a great job. Keeping healthy, that's an important part of it, of things for him too, given his history. But it's worth talking about. And so that's why when we enter this conversation about where they're at with their depth, yes, there are reasons that the depth has, has been diminished. Yes, there are certain elements that they probably could have foreseen, and there were certain decisions that were made in the spring that contributed to the fact that they don't have quite the depth that, as far as the rotation is concerned, that maybe you'd like to see. But let's get into the names. Some of the guys on the potential trade block for non-contending clubs, clubs that have guys on expiring deals or nearing expiring deals, maybe not considered part of their future, that the Cardinals could conceivably have some interest in. Going to try to roll through this list relatively quickly because there's 40 names. Not all of them are starting pitchers, of course, but going to speak up on the ones that jump out to me. John Gray, as I mentioned, I, I've always liked John Gray's arm. I figured if you got him out of Colorado, he could have a lot of success. In the past, had been a high strikeout guy. Not as much on the Ks this season, but a little banged up right now. If you're the Cardinals, you're not trading for anybody who's got active injury situations going on. So we're going to scroll right past him. Matthew Boyd, lefty for the Tigers. You remember a couple of years ago, it seemed like he was the, the hot new thing and had several years of control remaining had burst onto the scene, and the Tigers elected to hold on to him. I believe it was 2019, either 18 or 19. Uh, yeah, it was it was 19, and they should have traded him. That July would have been the time to do it because didn't have a great 2020. You know, has had some injuries here and there. Uh, off to a good start in 2021, but now the years of control are no longer associated with his game. Like, you think about guys with years of control. You remember the Jose Quintana trade that was made from the White Sox to the Cubs, and I believe given up in that deal was Aloy Jimenez, and he's turned into, although he's injured right now for Chicago White Sox, he's one of their core players. Those are the kinds of prospects and names that you can acquire when you've got youngish pitchers on controllable deals, and the Tigers, instead of jumping at that chance, just very curiously held on to the guy, even though their window for contention wasn't open and wasn't about to open either. And now they're in a situation where I think you got to trade him before this deadline if he continues to pitch well. Always nice to add a lefty to the situation. I think that could be interesting for the Cardinals if Matthew Boyd is to become available. Not sure how much I would necessarily be giving up for him. He's eligible for free agency after 2022. 
but he's he's pitching well right now, and I could see it. You know, again, it's all going to come down to what the price would look like, and and just kind of for most of the names that I'm going to mention here, looking at names like you know Angel Rondon, the Cardinals just called him up, 23 years old, has a live arm, not really sure. Like that's the kind of pitcher I could see the Cardinals throwing in, and then maybe you look toward a, a younger offensive force or a lottery ticket to throw in. Luke and Baker, if a team is looking for a corner infielder with huge power. Alec Burleson is a Springfield outfielder right now, 16th on the MLB uh, top prospects list for the Cardinals. I could see, and he's having a nice start to the season for Springfield. I could see him potentially being included and maybe a guy that other teams would have some interest in. Those are the kinds of names I'm looking at, guys in that 15 to 20 range or, or maybe just outside the top 10. If you're ranking Cardinals top prospects, that's kind of what I have the idea for when you're talking about some of these names. Whether that's realistic or not, I, I'm not privy to the conversations that would go on between teams, so I don't really know. But just sitting where I'm sitting, I'm not necessarily looking to give up any of those other higher caliber names in these kind of deals. Like Kyle Gibson is another name that's been tossed around. You don't know exactly what the Rangers might want for him, but he's a guy who's struggled in the past, but he's pitching really well this season. For me, that's dangerous. Yes, he's a veteran, a guy that you think could throw you some innings. How much are you really willing to give up for that just to be like a filler because you don't feel good about where you're at in early June? Like, John Mozilak to me, doesn't seem like the president of baseball operations that's going to make that kind of move in a desperate state to trade a prospect that they really like to get a guy that pitching well right now, not a, a great pitcher for his career, and three weeks from now, you might have KK back. You might have some clarity on when you get Michaelis or Flaherty back, and, and you don't necessarily need a guy. like don't If you're trading for a number four, a guy that you don't think has a ceiling much higher than a number three or a number four in your rotation, it's a tough pill to swallow if you're giving up a significant part of the future. But the Cardinals right now have put themselves in a position where they do need to win in 2021. You, you, went, you went out and got Arenado you got to contend. you got to make a run at this thing. And so Kyle Gibson, I could I could see it, but he was not good in 2020. And so while the, the COVID season, a lot of times you could, could call it a washout and throw out some of those numbers, you certainly wouldn't like to trade a guy, trade for a guy, give up a piece that you really like for your future, and then suddenly he regresses to being kind of what he's been, which is mediocre. So that's, that's the risk with some of these names, but it is a, a conversation worth having. Michael Fulmer, again, he's another Tiger, a guy who previously in his career, I you know, liked former high-end prospect, throws hard and, and is, you know, had some injuries that he's gone through and is looking right now to be throwing harder than ever. He's into salary arbitration situation, pitching pretty well this season compared to where he's been in, in some of his recent years where he's just had trouble staying healthy. He's four and three with a three three four. ERA right now last year uh, just horrible and didn't pitch in 2019 so again what how, how do you feel you feel lucky like if you're feeling lucky Michael Pineda is another guy just looking at the names on this list guys who if they're having a hot start right now are they interesting to you what's the risk though that they kind of revert back to what they've been scrolling down a little further I do want to mention if the Cardinals do have interest in Kyle Gibson I'd be looking to make a bigger deal and rope Joey Gallo into that. I know that if you if you are at full strength for the Cardinals, you may not need Joey Gallo in the outfield because if O'Neill's in left, 
Harrison Bader's in center, Carlson's in right, you're pretty much good to glow. I don't know, and I did say glow, not go, and that was intentional. I just like that phrase, good to glow. But I, I don't know that you can count on that group to be intact for the stretch run because you've just had so many injuries so far this season. What's wrong with having more good players? If you can find a way to get Joey Gallo in here, I think he'd be a perfect number five hitter for this team. And if Tyler O'Neill stays healthy and continues to look good, great, bat him sixth. I mean, that would be a formidable three, four, five, six in a lineup, not to mention if Carlson's batting second, there you go. You kind of have your outfield filled out. Who ends up being the guy that's the odd man out? I mean, Bader's not there right now, and if, 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 he, not, if he doesn't return imminently, then you can, you can call his injury a lingering situation, and boom, there you go. So Joey Gallo, if I'm trading with the Rangers, I'm trying to rope, rope it into something larger, including Gallo would be definitely part of my interest. Other names on this list, Merrill Kelly for the D-backs. Don't go crazy for that. Looking a little lower. One more name. Really, there's only one more name. John Means is hurt now. He's been pitching really well. I don't see the Cardinals trading with the Reds. Sonny Gray. Uh, Dandy Duffy, I think, would be awesome from the Royals, a lefty. I've always liked Dandy Duffy. He's pitching really, really well this season, but has maintained his interest in staying with Kansas City. And I just don't know if the Cardinals necessarily trade with the Royals either. And the Royals started off really strong, then were really bad, and now they're kind of making their way back to contention. I think the Royals can make the playoffs this year if, if things break right for them. They've got a lot of young talent, and so I don't know if they're going to be looking to sell either. Sonny Gray for the Reds, I mentioned. I don't think the car, I don't think that's going to happen. One name that's interesting to me that I would like to mention, and I know we've already gone kind of long without me diving in too much to some of these names, but I, I just wanted to kind of throw names out there and, and whatever occurred to me kind of speak on it here. Herman Marquez would be interesting to me. I've always thought he had some real skill. Another Colorado Rocky guy. And he's a guy who's got a little bit more control tied to him. He's only 26, has a longer-term contract. Looks like $7.5 million this year, 11 for next year, and then $15 million in 2023. And then you've got a club option for the following year. You buy him out. So a few years of control tied to him, but the, the money's not... It's it's good. It's cost controllable. But when you get into 2023, 15 million, that's the kind of money that the Rockies are probably thinking. Oh man, we just trying. Are we sure about all that? He can be an ace. He's been in the past a guy who's thrown more than 200 strikeouts in a season and has had some really good numbers, which is which is impressive considering he's pitched in Colorado, has logged innings for the most part. In in 2020, was an innings eater, 81.2 innings to lead the league actually in the National League. So that's impressive what he was able to do last year and and has a big arm too. A guy who's at one point in his career in 2018 struck out 230 batters in 196 innings. So that's the ceiling you could get from him. You bring him to Bush Stadium instead of Coors Field, you might get even a little bit more out of him. This year he's 4-5 and five with a 3.91 ERA, but I, I think the Cardinals typically like the guys that they can, they can know they're going to have a little bit longer or they're going to have a way to sign him. Like with Arenado, they knew you know he was signed long-term. With some of the other moves they've made, like Goldsmith, they had a feeling they could get him. Going back to Matt Holliday, they, they were pretty sure they could get him to sign long-term. And then sometimes if you can make a deal with a guy who's cost-controllable, that's good too. I think I think Herman uh, Marquez would be really interesting. But that's another one that could that be a deal that materializes quickly? Probably, maybe not, because though you've dealt with Colorado very recently – you also have the consideration of they don't have to trade him. He's not a guy on an expiring deal. And if the Cardinals are looking for those kind of quick fixes, I just don't know if that's a deal that happens 
in June or even in July. It may not happen at all because Colorado doesn't have to move the guy. He's pitching well. He's only 26. Eventually, you'd think they'd like to win again, so they don't have to trade guys like that. But, you know, if they want to go back to the well with St. Louis, if they like Austin Gomber well enough, maybe they've got some other pieces that they like. Uh, I wouldn't count on Trevor Story being part of that, but uh, how fun could that be if they're like, yeah, we, we really like Edmundo Sosa, and the Cardinals are like, okay, we'll take Story too. Uh, no, we're, we're delving into fantasy land here, though. I do like Herman Marquez. That's kind of the most interesting name, I think, on this MLB trade, trade rumors list. Uh, Max Scherzer, not on the list, but we've talked about him the most. I think if you get into late July and he's still around and the Nationals are out of it, that's the name because he is on an expiring deal, so it might not cost as much. If the Nationals at that point realize they are not a playoff team in 2021, you could say, look, you know, you're going nowhere and you're not looking to re-sign this guy. Bring him home. Bring him. Bring the St. Louis kid back home. I think that would be an awesome trajectory for his career. And then maybe the Cardinals could sign him for a couple more years or whatever situation he's looking to have. He's still a guy that pitching near the top of his game. I haven't looked at the stats within the last couple of days, but 5-4, and 2.22 ERA, already accumulated 1.9 wins above replacement according to baseball reference this year. So, yep, Max Scherzer still looks like Max Scherzer, 104 strikeouts and 77 innings. Yeah, he's 36, but he's got more gas in the tank. I don't think there's any question about that, the way he's pitching right now. So that would be the name. I don't know that it would come super cheap, but you do like the fact that he's on an expiring deal. Uh, there are the, the ties, the local ties for him. I think that would be a home run slam dunk, but the Cardinals may not have the luxury of waiting for that. It depends on the route that they go in the in, in the short term with some of these younger guys. Can they Can they backfill? Do they have some magic left in the hat? to be able to get them through the next few weeks until maybe hopefully getting back some of your rotation depth remains to be seen, but thought it was a fun conversation to have. We've ranted here for about 30 minutes already, so I'm probably going to cut things off here. Appreciate you guys listening on this off day. I know you'll probably be tuning in to this podcast on Tuesday morning before the Cardinals take on the Cleveland Indians at Bush stadium, Shane Bieber on the mound for Cleveland on Tuesday. So it's not going to get any easier for the Cardinals to be able to break this losing skid that they're currently riding. We'll see what they're able to do. Once again, appreciate you guys as always for listening. If you've got any names that you think the Cardinals should trade for that I didn't mention in tonight's podcast, there are probably many viable options. Send me a DM at bshafer12 on Twitter or go ahead and leave a voicemail message that can be played on a future episode of Bshafe Daily. To do that, all you got to do is go to anchor.fm slash bshafer12 slash message you can record your own audio that I will play in a future episode of the show, and I'll address whatever your comment or question is, and we'll we'll talk things through as the season goes along. Thank you guys once again. We'll talk to you tomorrow after the Cardinals and Indians do battle on Tuesday, right here on B-Shape Daily.